Joyce. Hello. <laughs> you are here. I am here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for coming. I was telling you offline that money is one of my favorite topics to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, everybody loves money, right? But everybody loves money. For me, and what what I gravitate towards in mm -hmm. your message, because mm -hmm. for you, you do talk about the money, but it's, it's bigger than it's deeper than that. Yes, it's way deeper than way that. Way deeper. Um, it's the mindset, right? And that's what I don't even know how I found you. I literally was scrolling on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And you had this video mm -hmm. and it discussed um, three things that you should do before you die. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, she's powerful. Thank you. Like you said it very direct. Yeah. Very like, this is what you have to do. Um, I feel like you're a sharpshooter. Yeah. Not going to lie. That's like yes. the, the, that's what you give me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to know what is your message uh -huh. and who are you speaking to? Mm, I love that question. My message is you can create anything you want in your life if you have the right mindset. Mm -hmm. That's it. It doesn't matter what your backstory is. It doesn't matter that you grew up poor. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. What matters is who you choose to be today. Mm. Your decision. But we get so stuck in our stories, in our past, that we then stop ourselves from being who we truly want to be because mm -hmm. we're so stuck in that old version of ourselves. So my message is if you fix your mindset, you can fix your money. Mm. You can create the life you truly want. And money is in every part of our life. Mm -hmm. People will try to tell you that it's not. That's that's not true. It is. Mm -hmm. There was a study. Um, it was according to the Credit Suisse Wealth Global Report mm -hmm. that only 1% of mm -hmm. 56 million people, mm -hmm. like this is all over the world, are millionaires. Mm -hmm. 1%. Mm -hmm. Is it possible for anyone that's listening to become a millionaire in their mind? 100%. 100%. I mean, I grew up a poor girl living in an inner city. My parents are immigrants. They immigrated here from Ecuador. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a household where I was constantly told, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. And for me to be a millionaire, anybody could be a millionaire. I'm a single mom. Mm -hmm. I had to pay for things on my own and take care of a son. And if I could do it, then yes, you could do it. Anybody can. But what, I, I just wonder, what was the old version of yourself and how did you break away from that? Like, what was that switch for you? Mm. The old version was that story, right? Mm -hmm. That I was a poor kid and, and, I, and there's certain things that happen during our childhood that iron in certain beliefs about ourself. Mm -hmm. And so my belief about myself was that this is me. I'm not one of them. Mm. Them being one of the kids that are rich or at least have the means. Mm -hmm. I struggled when I was a kid. I saw my dad struggle. And that 
vision of myself was what I had to get rid of. I sit in front of multimillionaires. I tell them what to do with their money. And that was something I had to overcome about myself because I saw myself still as this Latina that grew up in a poor mm -hmm. household. Right. And so I had to get rid of that belief of myself for me to be able to say, okay, I can do this. I can be a financial advisor. I'm actually pretty damn intelligent. Mm -hmm. I do really well for my clients. Mm -hmm. But it was that old version of myself I had to get rid of for me to be able to step in to this new version of myself. How do you believe in yourself? It's what I say to myself every single day. Mm. I talk to myself every single day. You talk to yourself, right? Yeah. We all do. Mm -hmm. And what... The issue is, is that we choose to say the sh things to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We'll look in the mirror and we'll say, oh my God, you're getting old. Oh, I'm fat. I can't do this. I'm tired. I'm not good with money. No, stop. If you're not good with money, then what do you need to do to be better with money? Stop saying that to yourself. Mm -hmm. Find a solution right, and right, move forward. And right. that's how you change. What would what would someone need to do? Like, give me like three things someone would need to do to get on the path of changing their mindset and becoming this millionaire, if that's what they choose to if do. If that's what they choose to do. Number mm -hmm. one would be know why you want to be a millionaire. Everybody comes to me and they're like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. Great. Why? Mm -hmm. Oh, because I want a big house and I want to go on vacation. Okay, great. Why? Mm -hmm. Tell me something deeper. Right. Because you will not get anywhere unless you have an emotional anchor to it. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, my anchor was I want to help people. Mm -hmm. Before that, my anchor was I want to show my son that anything is doable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter your circumstances. Anything is doable. So that was my emotional fuel. So I think that's number one, is understanding what you want and mm -hmm. why you want it. Do you think money is emotional, though? I think that you need to be emotionally charged in order to um, follow your purpose. Okay. So that's, you said, hey, tell me three things, right? Mm -hmm. Number one is understand mm -hmm. why you want it. What do you want and why you want it? Mm -hmm. Number two, on your road to millionaire, would be know your numbers. Don't ignore them. Know them. Even though they're like, oh my God, they give me anxiety. It doesn't matter. Know your numbers. And number three is find someone that can help. Find a solution. They're out there. People can help you. And all you need is a strategy, the right mindset. Mm -hmm. That's it. What if that comes from your home though? I wonder <laughs> what, if, what if there's like, because I just feel like when I grew up, it, it it wasn't like a, a home where we were talking about money. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was the opposite. We were mm -hmm. not discussing it. It was actually mm -hmm. like, no, 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 you don't discuss money around here. Don't discuss it with mm -hmm. your friends. Don't let anybody know that, you know, we don't have it. Like, mm -hmm. it was almost like frowned upon. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't empowered to, mm -hmm. to really mm -hmm. discuss money. Mm -hmm. So if that's in your home and that's what's around you, for what, 17, 20 hours a day, how then do you break out of that? 
For instance, here's another example. Mm -hmm. What if you're married to someone who's a negative thinker and mm -hmm. that's like your life partner? Mm. How are we then changing our mindset if the theory of you are who your friends are, like tell me who your friends are, friends are and this is who you are, I'll yeah. tell you who you are. Yeah. How do we break out of this? Okay. So one of them is if you've been you've been reared in that type of household, mm -hmm. no talking about money, money is taboo. You know that. Mm -hmm. If you already know that and you realize that, then you change it. It's really just a decision. Mm -hmm. And the decision now lies with you because then the next generation can now see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You're changing the generational cycle. And unfortunately, the reasons your parents didn't talk about money is because that's what they learned from their parents. Right. right. So shift the generational cycle. Mm -hmm. That's one. Then your partner, right? So yes, you are pretty much the average of the five people that you hang out with the most. Mm -hmm. Studies show this, right? Mm -hmm. So if your life partner happens to have issues with money, then get yourself around people that don't. Find yourself a mentor, find yourself an advisor, find yourself friends that are higher than you and more successful because you will learn how their thought processes are. You start changing your thought process, your partner will start changing theirs, even if it's just a tiny bit. Right, right. Sometimes we get stuck on wanting our partner to change. Get rid of that. We cannot control what's outside of us. We can only control what's inside. If you begin changing your thought patterns, then your partner will start seeing little changes in you. And then he's going to be like, or she's going to be like, oh, damn, I got to I got to get with the program. Oh, yeah, here. Like I got to level up. I got to level up. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. What was your your upbringing like? Like, what were you doing? What was school like for you? Because I'm trying to figure out, like, mm -hmm. when did this shift? Mm -hmm. Not obviously you had the mindset, but like when you start talking about it and sharing the knowledge with us, mm -hmm. when did that happen for you? When I, when did I start sharing the knowledge? Yeah. So that was, wow. Um, I think the biggest impact in my life was when I was going through a divorce and it was back in 2008-ish, uh, the great recession. Right. Mm -hmm. And so banks were going out of business. People were losing homes. And I was going through a divorce and I was heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to work that day. And for some reason, the lights went off in the whole building. And I'm like, what the heck? Okay, I can't work. I'm waiting around. So I told my staff, because I was managing at that time, I'm like, hey, I'll be back. I'm just going to get some coffee. Mm -hmm. Crossing the street to grab coffee. And as I cross the street, I get hit by a pickup truck. What? I get hit by a pickup truck as I'm walking across <laughs> the street. And I remember how that felt like, holy shit, like I'm about to die. And so many things just start running through my head and racing. Like, and I remember the two thoughts that stood out. One of them was, is this it? Was that all to my life? That was it? Wow. That's all I had to freaking give? That's it. The other thought that I had was, what kind of morning did I have with my son that day? He was about six at that time. And, and I couldn't remember whether it was a good morning where 
you know, it was an easy morning as a single mom, right? Or was it one of those mornings where I was so anxious that I made him cry? And the fact that I couldn't remember the morning with the person I loved the most in this world really did something to me. Mm. And as I laid there waiting for the ambulance and I was thinking, I'm like, gosh, it just, what kind of morning? What kind of morning? If I had died that day, would my son had have had a good thought of me or a bad one? And so that whole time in my life, I wondered, God, why did you do this to me? Like, I'm already going through a divorce. I'm, you know, it's just like there's a recession. I was losing my house at that time because yeah. of the divorce. I couldn't afford to pay for it by my own anymore. Right. And it was just too much. And I remember that struggle. And I remember seeing somebody when I was at going to physical therapy and, and this, this girl, her family was there with her. And they were talking to her and she couldn't talk. She was just completely, you know, different now. And it was obvious mm. that she had not been like that in the past, the, the way that her family was, was talking to her. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm a fool. I'm such a fool for thinking like this woe is me attitude when this young girl really cannot do anything anymore. She's mm. in a wheelchair. She can't speak. She... And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm here for a reason. God kept me here for a reason. And I need to figure what that, what that is. Mm -hmm. And so that began this journey of me trying to figure out how do I help myself? Right, right. And then if I'm sleepwalking through life the way I was, then there must be other people that are sleepwalking through life. And so then this idea of, okay, uh, I felt like I was being called to write a book. I felt like I was called to speak in public. I felt I started just going towards that little by little. And that's how I got here. It's wow. really just been this, this journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder, because it, it sounds like um, it's one of those moments where it's like uh, you survived the water and you're trying to save others from drowning. Like, yeah. hey, come up here. Yeah. There's more up here. Like, yeah. You know, so that's kind of like, um, kind of like that moment for you. But not a lot of people get the opportunity to experience, because that's like a really like traumatic moment. That is a traumatic moment. But the reason why I say we don't get to experience that, because I feel like oftentimes we take our life for granted. 100%. But when you're faced with death in the forefront, that shifts everything for you. Right. Right. I do want to ask, what has divorce taught you? Oh my gosh. Um, if it if this was ten years ago, I'd probably be saying, you know, um, negative things about it. But what it taught me, number one, is when you do get divorced. For all of you listening, going through divorce, mm -hmm. please remember that the most important asset in a divorce is your children. That's it. It's not the money. It's not the house. It's not anything else. It is your children because the stuff you say to your children about your partner or your soon-to-be ex-partner really sticks to them in their head. And it will create this self-hatred in a child or hate towards their other parent. But unfortunately, if they hate their other parent, they are also 
then hating themselves in some way or blaming themselves in some way. Mm -hmm. And then divorce for me has taught me how we affect our children generationally. That's mm -hmm. one. And number two, what it taught me is we meet the people that we need in our life. I could sit here and I can say, oh my gosh, my ex was a jerk and he was not loving and he was blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. No, this man came with his wounds to our marriage. And I came with my wounds to our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand his wounds and I couldn't heal his wounds and he couldn't heal my wounds. Mm -hmm. So we all come with wounds. And life, God gives us the right person to empower us. Right. If we were to look at every single person that comes into our life as someone designed to be there to show us something about ourselves, something about life, something about love, we'd be so much more empowered. Yeah. So much less, you know, resentful than we are right now. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's what that taught me. What has being a mom taught you? Oh my God. <laughs> you know what? My son is like the most amazing gift from God. And it, it, it has taught me love. I never thought I can love in this way and then get to this point where I give and I love and I don't expect anything back. That was a hard thing for me, mm. you know, because I saw things as very transactional. Right, right. But uh, being a mother is not transactional. And I, I also feel like it taught me that we're chosen. You know, we choose our moms and our mm -hmm. dads. Mm -hmm. In another level, before we even come, we're choosing. So whoever right. you got for your mom or your dad was a person that was chosen for you. Your soul chose that person. Yeah. What yeah. did you learn from them? You can't hate them. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from them? That is what I feel I've learned with my son. Now, what is the mindset that you're showing him? Like, what do you like? What are some of the things that you say to him in his day to day life that is like kind of because, you know, naturally you're molding mm -hmm. this human into mm -hmm. having this mindset. So how are you like, what are the conversations? How are you talking to him? Uh, with him, I'm very I'm very harsh. Really? Yes, I am. Now I'm not. Okay. But when he was growing up, I had to play both roles. I had to play mom and I had to have that masculine energy for dad. So I remembered basketball games. And instead of as a mom saying, you did amazing, I would say, okay, what could you have done better when this guy passed the ball to you? Mm -hmm. And now I look back and I think, wow, I wish I could have just gone the other route where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's it, everything is good. You know, you did perfectly, but I always felt like I had to, I had to play both roles. And now because he's older, our conversations are very much like that, where yeah. I say, you know what, I'm sorry if in the past I was hard on you mm -hmm. or I was harsh with you. I felt like I had to fill that male energy piece because you weren't getting it. Yeah. And I couldn't baby you because you were a man and, and I, I needed to, to read a man, not not a girl, yeah, you know, yeah, I see you and mean. I didn't know how to do that. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I, I prep his mind by allowing him to fail mm -hmm. and not coming to the rescue. 
So a lot of a lot of uh, my clients and a lot of um, people or parents feel like if your kid is going through money issues, you come to the rescue. Oh, okay, here, $200. You need this? Yeah. No. Can't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So when he's running low, I'm like, what you going to do about it, babe? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, what's the strategy? Though? Yeah. yeah. What, what, what you going to do? And so... And then if he really needs it, and he knows, like, okay, if you really need me, you mm -hmm. let me know. But he's learned to say, I'm going to, I got this. I'm going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. So that's how I, I, I try That's how you're to, conditioning yeah, him. I'm conditioning him that way. Your bio states, I want to read your bio because I found <clears throat> this to be quite fascinating, actually. Mm -hmm. So it says, you are here to revolutionize mm -hmm. the investment industry by challenging traditional financial narratives and focusing on money mindset. Yes. I think the part that I love is challenging traditional financial narratives. What yeah. are the traditional financial narratives? You can only invest if you have money, if you're wealthy, right? You are wealthy if you are certain color. You know a lot about money if you are a man. As a woman, you can't, you're not good with money. You can't invest. You're not that good of a, you know, investor. Or you're not wealthy. Or... Mm -hmm. That's the traditional narrative. I want to change that. I used to work for the biggest firm, mm -hmm. investment firm. And people used to come to me and I'd say, well, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't help you because you don't have $250,000 to invest. I noticed that what I was doing was I was continuing that socioeconomic cycle mm -hmm. that left my dad in his position that then left me not knowing how to invest, right? Because I never learned it from my parents. But in me being that advisor that turns these people away, mm -hmm. then I'm just adding on to this generational cycle. And so that's why I left that big firm and started my own. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I want to change. I want to revolutionize the way that we're, we're dealing with money. And I want people to know that it's not only about knowledge. Mm -hmm. Because if being wealthy was all about knowledge, you could Google that. Yeah. And you'd be rich. Mm -hmm. But you're not, right? Not you, but like people. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's a mind piece to it. There's certain subconscious belief systems that are holding us back. And you cannot figure it out unless you, you spend time with it mm -hmm. or you have somebody that helps you through that. So much I want to unpack here. Yeah. <laughs> so much. Okay. So growing up, <laughs> I had this, you know, because I, I also employ a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. So I have people that work for me. And some of the things that I'm hearing is like, oh, you know, it's hard in New York. It's hard in New York. And my response to that is, if you can't figure out how to make money in New York, mm -hmm. like there's a, like there's so many reasons. I mean, we, mm -hmm. you could do Uber Eats. And I'm just saying this as an example. I'm not saying this is ideal for anyone. I'm just mm -hmm. saying you can do Uber Eats. You can do DoorDash. You like, to me, mm -hmm. if you are not making money here, mm -hmm. in my opinion, we could throw tomatoes if you like at mm -hmm. me. I honestly feel it's because you didn't try hard enough. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that with the amount of money that you make. I'm just mm -hmm. saying if you can't make any money here, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to me mm -hmm. because I feel like there's too many resources here. Do you feel that to be true? 
I feel that, yes, you're right, right? Uh, but I would switch it a little bit. Okay. I would say it's not that you're not trying hard enough. It's that you are not thinking about it correctly. So instead of okay. you saying, okay, it's hard in New York, it's hard in New York, okay, what can I do in New York, right? There is, this is this land of opportunity. Right. What can I do? Gosh, if someone could stand in Times Square half naked and, <laughs> and play a guitar and right. make money, geez, can I do something kind of like that? Right. You know, so it's this thought process. You take that same person and you put them in LA and they're going to say it's hard in LA. Oklahoma, it's hard in Oklahoma. You choose your, your story. Yeah. Right. You choose your heart. You choose your story. You choose you choose your life. Right. Our life is that. It's 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 you creating. But you got to take action. You got to stop yourself. Right. And a lot of people themselves. What are your thoughts on this recession? Mm, what about it? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so much, right? Like, I feel like one, you know, everything has gone up, uh -huh. right? So I, this is going to be a two-part question for okay. me. One, how do we, well, how do you see the world changing? Mm -hmm. The fact that we're in this recession, jobs are changing, AI is taking so many of uh -huh. our jobs. Uh -huh. How do you see it changing financially? And then also, how do we then, if we are still in nine to five jobs, right? For those that are nine to five jobs, mm -hmm. how do we ask for more? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are also hesitant in asking for more money. Mm. I was one of those people. Mm. Okay. I would be so scared to ask for more. <clears throat> okay. Um, so I want to say recessions have built some of the best companies out there, mm -hmm. right? Disney was built during, I think, a depression, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Trader Joe's is another company um, that was built during that time, too, like during recession. There's a lot of companies that have been built during bad times. Mm -hmm. And yes, it gets harder because inflation, right? Things mm -hmm. are definitely more expensive than Absolutely. they were before, right? Things are shifting, how do you remain nimble enough to shift with the economy? Things will continue to change. Currency, dollars, as we see, I love cash, like cash. Like I like using yeah. cash, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to go away. Everything is now on a system. Now right. we have Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. That's taking that dollar away. Mm -hmm. And so we need to remain nimble with everything. So AI, yes, AI can take your job, but how do you learn how to utilize AI so you're the person that they want to employ? Right. How do you leverage that in your business? Mm -hmm. We have to start thinking in a different route instead of thinking like a victim. That mindset again. Yep. It's yeah. that mindset again. Yeah. And then also, my, as just go back <clears throat> to my second part, mm -hmm. um, is it true that in order to get a significant pay raise mm -hmm. at your job, you would have to leave the job? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that to be true? I think that that's true sometimes. Yeah. Or maybe most of the time. Yeah. 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 If you can, with your job currently, what I would do is I would say, all right, what do I do for this for this company, this company yeah. right? So I write down everything I do, okay? 
How many clients does that affect? Whatever, 100,000 clients on a yearly basis, let's mm -hmm. say. Okay. How much do I think the company makes per client? Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe they make $500,000, right? And I would just monetize every single thing I do. And then look at that number, even though it might be overinflated or it might be underinflated, depending on how you're looking at it, right? right. And then say to myself, okay, that is my value. Mm -hmm. That's my worth. That at least gives you an idea of what a company could be making from you. Mm -hmm. Does that mean they're going to pay you that? No. Right. But at least you understand like, okay, I'm bringing this amount of value. Then what I would do is I would look at what is our other companies paying for the same exact position? Everything I do, because a lot of companies are now putting two positions in one, three positions yeah. in one, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So everything yeah. I do, what is another company going to pay for that? Okay, another company is going to pay $150,000. i am making $100,000. i am going to have a conversation with my boss. Yeah. I'm going to say, hey, well-researched, right? Mm -hmm. I love working for this company. I love working for you. I really enjoy blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Here's my challenge. My challenge is that I'm worth, or actually other companies, right, are valuing my job at 150, mm -hmm. but I'm at 100. So there has to be something that needs to be done. Right. Now they're going to come back and they're going to say, well, I'm so sorry. We can only do 3% raises, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I want to give you a heads up that I will be searching. This is not, this is while you're searching. I would already be searching. Right, right. Stay you know, ahead of the game. Exactly, to stay ahead of the game. And then you can say, if, if you already have something lined up, they won't be surprised, mm -hmm. right? So that's, that's the name of the game. Yes, you may have to leave a company because unfortunately, the way companies work is if you start off at 100, then you get stuck to that 3% raise yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately, corporations, what I used to say when I was in management is corporations favor the, um, the girlfriend mm -hmm. over the wife. Mm. The wife that's been there for 20 years, yeah. mm, you're not favored. You mm -hmm. get a 3% raise. The girlfriend that's brand spanking new, mm -hmm. you only started seeing her on the side yeah. Two months ago, yeah. she's getting the rings. She's getting the car. She's getting the time. No, I ain't, no. Well, why? Why because, do they favor that more? <clears throat> because that's just their system. Okay. Unfortunately, everything is systemized. And unless you're in a small company, if you were to go with a startup mm -hmm. or you're in a small company, then you can easily talk to the owner. Mm -hmm. But try doing that at one of the big banks. Right. That's like way up there. Right. The right. manager has to talk to the manager that has to talk to the manager that has to talk to the manager in order to get you a 5% raise instead of a 3% raise. No. Right. If you leave to another corporation, done deal. Yeah. And then you can come back. I'm all about that. Uh, loyalty. Mm -hmm. You've got to be loyal to yourself, not only a company. What do you look for in employees? Like, What are some of the qualities that you look for when hiring? Um, I'm very much about will. So I, I can teach you anything, mm -hmm. but if you have the, the want to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I look for. I look for someone that says, Hey, I will do what it takes to get us to this place. 
I recently um, hi- uh, was hiring for an admin mm-hmm. and uh, for social media specifically, yeah. right? And I interviewed a bunch of people. And then this girl came and she's like, I love what you're doing. I interviewed her and she's like, I have some ideas. I think we could do this, 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 this. Now, she doesn't even have a job, but she came with a list of stuff that she would change. Yeah. That, for me, is what stood out. out. And I hired her. Mm -hmm. And now she'll she'll do what she needs to do. She's like, okay, I got this. I think we should do this. I think we should do this. I didn't care whether she had experience or not. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little experience. It's like, okay, great. You have a little experience. Perfect. But it's your desire. Yes. Because that teaches me a lot. It's the same thing. It's the and mindset. that's something that can't even be taught. You can't really teach someone how to have desire for a position. No. That has to come from... That fire you, within. You got to like either want it or, yep. or not. That's it. It's the fire within. That's what I look for. Fire yeah. within. What's like the biggest turnoff for you? Like the biggest red flag? When I hire people? Mm-hmm. Excuses. Mm-hmm. That was a great answer. Yep. That was a great answer. Really quick too, I could tell. really quick how can you tell what gives it away the excuse (laughs) yeah like i'll I'll ask questions like oh um yeah i i didn't have your site or i didn't have okay no you can easily find me yeah google me yeah okay so just excuses i don't mm -mm. big turn off you don't do it yeah not keeping your word big turn off Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I think for me, it's like the follow through. When you don't follow through, mm. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. not good. Yeah. Not good. Um, why is having, and I want to switch over because this is something else I want to discuss with you, mm-hmm. Will. Mm-hmm. Why is that so important to have? And at what age should we be discussing Will? Mm. So, um. A will is really important because what it does is that it just ties up any loose ends. Mm -hmm. You really can do it by just putting beneficiaries on all of your assets. So for example, you have uh, checking accounts, investment accounts, 401ks. A lot of people forget to put beneficiaries on their 401ks. Mm -hmm. Put a beneficiary on every single account you have. Mm -hmm. Every single account needs to have a beneficiary. If you don't have property, then that's pretty much all you need. Mm -hmm. What the will does is pick up anything you may have forgotten and it picks up any property. Okay. So if you have real estate, there's no way of you putting a beneficiary on real estate. So the will will pick that up. Okay. But there's also trust. And so you can also do a trust. It just depends on how your assets are, mm-hmm. how much, all of that good stuff to be able to, ch- to tell whether you want to go the will route mm-hmm. or the trust route. Okay. Yeah. One thing to just keep in mind is that beneficiaries on an account will override the will. So for example, mm-hmm. if you say, I'm going to leave my mom as a beneficiary on my will, mm-hmm. and then you get married, mm-hmm. right? Three years later. Okay. And now you have your husband as a beneficiary on your accounts and you pass away. Mm-hmm. The money in your bank accounts is going to go to your husband because it's directly, he's directly the beneficiary, right. even though your will says your mom. What if you have a power of attorney and it's not the husband? What if the daughter is the power of attorney? The, do- the power of attorney has nothing to do with the will. Power of attorney is only when 
you are incapacitated. So let's say, you know, you get into a car accident and you're in the hospital for a month and you can't pay your bills. Your daughter now has power of attorney because that was already done Mm -hmm. and she can pay your bills and she can make decisions for you based on what you chose on the power of attorney. So if you leave any assets when you pass, the mm-hmm. power of attorney has nothing. Has no access to that. No. Power of attorney ceases when you die. Okay. Yes. Okay. Done. So I have had clients that, for example, were power of attorneys on their parents, mm-hmm. right? And then their parent dies. And then they call me and they say, hey, can I get $10,000 for burial costs? He passed away yesterday. I say, I'm sorry, I can't. Power of attorney ceases when that's it. Yep, they pass away. So that's why it's important to have money sitting in a savings account so that for emergency yeah. or for anything so that they can use. And then if you know, you should always have somebody on there, like especially for an elder parent, right? An elder mm-hmm. parent should have another signer on there. Now, what if you <clears throat> don't have a beneficiary, don't have a power of attorney, don't have a will, what then happens? So if you die and then there's nobody on your accounts, then whoever that is left, let's say it's your child, right, Mm -hmm. has to go to court and prove that they were the next in line. Mm -hmm. The court is going to be like, how do I know she wasn't married? Yeah. How do I know she doesn't have a sister that wants this? How do Mm -hmm. I know she doesn't have a mother? So they're going to have to go through this court process to say, no, I'm the only person. It was supposed to go for me. Yeah. Attorney fees. You know, probate, it's just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, even with will, it goes to probate, but we're getting to the weeds of that. But like, but you have nothing now or your beneficiary has nothing to prove. And at what age should we start putting a will into effect? Like when should we start getting everything kind of organized? I would say if you have property, you should be looking into, definitely look into a will. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The other thing I want to discuss with you is the legacy contact. You spoke about this on your social media, which I thought was so dope, and I learned something from it. Um, But go, like, dive a little deeper into that legacy contact, because I had no idea you can even do that. Yeah, so you can put a legacy contact both on your uh, iPhone, right, through Apple, and then you can do it on your Droid, okay? Mm -hmm. So what it does basically is just if you die, someone can call Apple, right? And say, hey, she passed away. I need to get into her phone mm-hmm. if they don't have your your, your passcode. passcode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they get into your phone and everybody's like, oh, why do they want to get in my phone? Right? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you? Typically, your loved one has pictures of themselves or pictures of you together. Mm-hmm. They have contacts. Maybe their contacts want to know what happened to them. Right. They have notes, voice messages that, you know, you probably want that. Yeah. You know? So- um, I had or passcodes like in other accounts that yes, maybe you may need passwords to, that you yeah. may need all of that mm-hmm. right and then some people were like oh who cares I'm dead yeah no that's actually really important to get into yeah. your family cares bro. yeah your family freaking cares yeah I actually had a friend who her husband passed away and she could not get into his phone yep and she was like oh my god like I can't get like he used to keep everything here in his note section yeah yeah and then he didn't back up to his computer so like she had nothing yeah Yeah. so important yeah i had people reach out to me with that real um i had people reach out and say hey you know i lost my son it was a heart you know really just uh, my heart hurt with some of these stories like i had my son he died in an accident we wish we could have gotten into his phone and we couldn't the police didn't you know couldn't help us get into it and 
it was just like, no, just that gives you the opportunity for someone you trust to be able to get in there if something happens to you. Yeah. Why do you think people never reach financial freedom? What do you think like holds, I, obviously the mindset, but mm-hmm. what else would like go deeper than that? Like, yeah. why do you think people never reach that in their life? I've broken it down to four things, right? Let's hear it. Yeah. So it's your belief system, mm-hmm. right? It's the actions you take. Mm-hmm. So if you're not taking actions towards your goal and you don't know what you want, a lot of people are very like, they, they, they're not clear. Mm-hmm. about what you want, what they want, right? right? They're kind of like, it's almost like they walk into a mall and they're like, um, let's shop. I don't know what I want. Let's just, oh, that looks cute. That looks cute. Versus I'm looking for a white skirt. You know exactly what you're looking for. Right. And you're going to find it, mm-hmm. right? So beliefs, actions, and, and part of actions is knowing what you want and taking the actions towards it. Mm-hmm. Knowledge. So you don't have to know everything about the investment world, mm-hmm. but you do have to know your numbers. Right. And then energy. What type mm-hmm. of energy are you bringing to your numbers? Because energy is a lot. So mm-hmm. what type of energy? Are you bringing this anxious, nervous energy? Are you bringing this energy of, oh, you know, money's the root of all evil? Are you, you know, depending on that mm-hmm. also is like, okay, are, am, I, am I attracting or am I pushing away that's about, my belief let's talk about credit mm. this is a big one for me mm-hmm. this is a big one for me because i actually spoke on the show uh we had cindy here and i was telling cindy i was like i have always been afraid of credit cards mm-hmm. this is something and i actually had a credit card got into a lot of debt mm-hmm. um got into a car accident mm-hmm. settled so cleared my debt mm-hmm. but then i never got a credit card after that mm-hmm. And everyone's like, no, credit is power. Credit mm-hmm. is power. Mm-hmm. Do you believe this to be true? I do. I do think that credit is important if you use it wisely. And I hate seeing uh, influencers say, oh, use credit for this. And, you know, the rich use credit. Okay. The rich, <laughs> the rich use credit, but they right. use credit wisely. They don't mm-hmm. use credit cards and not pay them off. Right, right. You want to be rich, use a credit card, pay it off, and that'll increase your credit score and that'll give you points, right? Mm-hmm. So have a credit card that, that's giving you points. Mm-hmm. But you pay that off every single month and don't buy shit you can't afford mm-hmm. just because you have a little piece of plastic. Right. If you have money in a, on a credit card, you owe debt. And you don't pay the whole thing off every month. Guess who's making money? Not you. American Express, yeah, Visa, MasterCard. Yeah. So it makes no sense. So using credit wisely is important. So let's take that example. And that's the that's like using credit unwisely. Right, right. right. Now, I could say, well, I own a home and I'm going to take a home equity line of credit out on my home. I'm not going to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to have that line of credit there in case there's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I see another real estate property I like and I'll say, hey, I'm going to take money from this home and then purchase, put a down payment on the other one. Bam. Mm-hmm. Another uh, real estate right. that I have. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's using credit wisely. Or maybe you have a business and you say, okay, I'm going to have a business line of credit. I'm going to use mm-hmm. my good credit and have a business line of credit. 
And so now you have some type of line of credit that if you want to expand your business, you can tap into instead of using money in your savings account Mm -hmm. that could be for emergencies or using money in your savings account that could be invested, making you money while you sleep. Right. What do you think about aspiring entrepreneurs that use their investments, such as a 401k, to then dip back into the business? Because I also hear that a lot. Like some uh, people say, oh, what's a 401k? Like, who cares about a 401k? Like, just invest. Mm -hmm. So what what are your thoughts about that? It really depends. Um, If it makes sense, like if someone's talking to me and they say, hey, I have been doing this business for two years and I just need X amount, like $20,000 to put back into my business. Mm-hmm. Then I might say, uh, and the only place I could get it from is my 401k. Right. Then I might say, uh, okay. Just, yeah. But for you to just pump, you know, take money from your 401k to pump into your business, I wouldn't say that because mm-hmm. there is a 10% penalty fee. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. if uh, unless you're 59 mm-hmm. and a half, so there's a uh, 10% penalty fee that you're going to pay, mm-hmm. plus taxes at your current tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So typically, the average person is in a 25% tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So now you're paying 35% just to take your, your own yeah. money to put into your Doesn't business. Make sense. You couldn't come up with a more creative way <laughs> of getting money. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your book. Uh-huh. So um, you said this has been two years in the making or two years ago you wrote the book? Yeah, two years, maybe a little more than, more than two years now I wrote the what book. What made you write this book? It was the pandemic. Mm. So during the pandemic, I realized how scared people were. Mm-hmm. People were not only scared for their health, but they were scared for their money too. And their Absolutely. mindset was at risk too, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of fear mongering going on, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, you couldn't see the people you loved. You couldn't go to the gym. You couldn't go to church. Couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything. It was screwing people's minds. Mm-hmm. So now you take people that are losing their money, can't see their loved ones can't do anything that's healthy and the only thing that's open is bars like um liquor stores and things that are like come on i don't know we can have a completely different discussion on on what i think the pandemic was about but right you uh, it was that during that time that i realized okay this is feeling very much like 2008 all over again 2008 was a huge spike in suicide Mm -hmm. and it was because people were losing their homes, letting people down, like their loved ones. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if some people that were married were feeling like, oh my God, I've let my wife down, they would commit suicide. Yeah. And I wanted to stop that from happening possibly again. And so I thought to myself, okay, what can I do to change people's mindset about the way that they see money mm-hmm. and try to disassociate themselves from money? Because a lot of people, they, they use money to define themselves. Mm-hmm. But if you do that and mm-hmm. your money is taken away, then your identity is taken away. Can I just stop you right there yeah. really quick? So I actually had this conversation with my friend many years ago when I didn't have money. Mm-hmm. And she would always tell me, stop telling people you don't have money. Mm-hmm. And I would be like, why? And she's like, because money is power. Mm-hmm. So the minute you tell someone that you don't have money, mm-hmm. th- now they know Mm-hmm. And they're going to use it against you because m- money is like status, it's power. Mm-hmm. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? I think that 
money is power. Mm-hmm. I do, I do think that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's power because it's freedom. Money is a tool. Mm-hmm. It could be used for anything you want, mm-hmm. right? That's all it is. It's not money that's important, really. It's what you want to do with the money that's important. Right, right. Do you want financial freedom? Financial freedom means nothing. Mm-hmm. What truly means something is what type of freedom do you want with your life? Do you want the freedom to see your kids more? Do you want the freedom to travel more? Mm-hmm. Do you want the freedom to be able to leave corporate and start your own thing? Right. Those are the true freedoms that people want. Right. This financial right. freedom is like, oh, what the hell does that mean? It means nothing. What do you truly want to create in in your world? Mm-hmm. And money is powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy because I I always say that like when people are like, well, what are you chasing? I'm like, I'm chasing freedom. Right. Like that's what I'm chasing. Right. It's not right. anything else. I'm not chasing this bag or this job or the, right. I'm chasing freedom. Right. You know, and like for me, that could look like many things, you know, but yes, I do. I do to a certain extent. I do feel like money is power. Mm-hmm. Um. What are some of the affirmations? Give us like top three money affirmations we should be saying to ourselves. Hmm. One of them would be, and this doesn't sound like a money affirmation, mm-hmm. but um, it's everything works in my favor. That was my that. personal affirmation when I was going through all this crazy stuff right after the accident, leaving California, coming back to Jersey. I didn't have anything to my name. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was I went from living this beautiful house in California to this tiny little studio, probably smaller than this, mm-hmm. and then somehow being to where I am now, mm-hmm. right? And that was the affirmation I used. Everything works in my favor. Everything works in my favor. Everything works in my favor. Because I needed to believe that God is with me. Right. That I'm okay. Mm-hmm. That I'm not a victim. That I will figure things out. That everything's going to be okay. So that's my favorite. Okay. It's in the book. It says, I trust everything is in my favor. Um, the that. other Love one that. would be, um, money wants me, money needs me. Money wants me, money needs me. It's important for us to know that it's not money that's important, right? It's us that's important. Mm -hmm. We're the ones that create the services and the products that people pay us for. Mm -hmm. Corporations pay us for our time. That's right. And our energy. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? The most important currency is your life hours. Yep. You have two bank accounts. Mm -hmm. You have the one where you have at the big bank, Mm -hmm. but you also have your life bank account. And those are the hours in your life. There's only a certain amount. You don't know how many hours is in that life bank account, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to choose what you do with those hours. And then we're very like, whatever about it we're like yeah i'm just gonna watch tv for like two yeah. two I'll hours do it tomorrow yeah or i'll do it tomorrow uh, yeah. i'll call my mom tomorrow whatever yeah. if you have tomorrow if, right <laughs> yeah. if they have tomorrow if they right? have tomorrow yeah. it's like everybody in our life is lent to us for a little bit of time mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so those are my favorite um and then the third one and the third one i gotta see gosh i'm gonna i'm just gonna open one mm-hmm. oh actually i'll i'll, I'll do this one mm-hmm 
I am grateful, I am trusted, and I happily pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, girl, that is the one I'm going to say to myself. <laughs> I am grateful, I am trusted, and I happily pay my bills. I and, love that. and that really came from a lot of people are like, oh, this bill, or like, oh, I got to pay this, or I got to pay my rent now, or I got to, you know, like you've been trusted. Someone trusted you with a service. Mm -hmm. Don't complain about it. If you have a bill that you're paying, that means that you have the means to be able to have this service. It means that you actually have the ability to have a service. You mm -hmm. can live in a nice apartment. Yeah. You can have a, a light. And then there's a lot of people out there in the world that don't have electricity. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the way that we see things is is really important and not complaining about our responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. Two more questions that I do know yeah. you have to leave. Um, I did want to talk about the cover. Mm -hmm. The reason why I love the cover so much is because you're on it. Mm. And the reason why I love that is because we get to see us. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if you were intentional in doing that, but mm -hmm. I feel like when you see the representation there, then you know it's possible. Was that something that you were intentional about or... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't sure. I was just like, no. Yeah. Okay. My my picture on it. My last name is is a it's a reminder, right, to Latinas out there, to Latinos out there, mm -hmm. um, to people in general, right? That say that says you can do this. Yeah. Someone that's Latina can be in the financial industry. That's we right. belong here too. Mm -hmm. We can do this too. Yeah. And I love it because I'm seeing more Latinos in the finance industry. There's only 7% right now. 7% mm -hmm. of financial advisors are Latinos, both oh. men and women. So I can't imagine how how much smaller that is when it comes to women advisors. Right. Okay. Um, and then my last question before we go into <clears throat> our rapid fire. Um, in your experience, what are the biggest misconceptions or challenges that Latinas face when it comes to managing their finances? Um, like I said before, getting stuck in that old mentality of yourself, mm -hmm. um, sticking to the generational way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Not planning for your parents. That's a mistake. Mm -hmm. um, it's obvious that we are going to have to take care. Most of us will have to take care of our parents. So we need to begin planning now so that it won't affect us 20 years from now, 10 years from now. Um and I think that this this idea of, you know, oh, dismissing finances, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not good with that. Or I didn't grow up with money. Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. What do you want today? Mm -hmm. Let's change it today. That's right. You know, you choose who you want to be every damn morning. Mm-hmm. Love that. You ready for my rapid fire? Sure. All okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. If you put a bachata song on right now, I'd be up and I'd be dancing. <laughs> so that's one way. Love it. Um, uh, what is something that you would want to work on that you haven't already? Mm. Hmm. It would be uh, just expanding what I'm doing, expanding the mindset piece of what I'm doing in my company and really bringing it like everywhere so okay that's the biggest thing what's one thing you need in the morning coffee <laughs> <laughs> yes me too um if you had an opportunity to have the last supper with three latinas dead or alive 
Who would it be? Ooh. J-Lo. Mm-hmm. She'll be there for sure. Love her. Salma Hayek. Love her. And <laughs> yeah, and so then another Latina. Jeez. Um, I can't think. I mean, I, I really, I think that if those, Shakira. Oh. Shakira. Yes. We love her. We love those her. Those three. Okay. Um, what is this chapter of your life called? The what? What is this chapter of your life called? Wow. Hmm. Good question. My goodness. I think expansion. Love that. What does it mean to you to be Latina? It's, it's everything to me. It's, um, I mean, family, uh, energy, vibrancy, and um and also this sense of responsibility to help each other Mm -hmm. to help other latinas and other latinos that's important we need to lift each other up and and not think that we're competing we're not competing we're in creation together that's right and finish this sentence growing up latina is Growing up Latina is amazing, amazing. I think we're like the best. Again, <laughs> everybody thinks it's different, right? But I just think that we're just amazing, amazing people to be around. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Let everybody know where they can find you and follow you. So moneymindsetadvisors.com. Yes. That is my website. Best way to find me. I'm on Instagram. Uh, as well, so you can find me there. Wait, tell them your handle. I love your Instagram handle. <laughs> I love your Instagram handle. Money Mindset Mommy. Money Mindset Mommy. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for coming you. on the show. I appreciate you. Yes.